0: Section 118 of Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Natter. The World's Story, Volume 11. Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. Edited by Eva March-Tappan. Section 118. Toussaint L'Overture, 1801. By Wendell Phillips. saint L'Ouverture was a full-blooded Negro slave of Haiti who became a revolutionary leader and finally governed the island from 1795 to 1801. The remainder of his story is told in the following extract. The Editor. It was 1811. The Frenchman who lingered on the island described its prosperity and order as almost incredible. You might trust a child with a bag of gold to go from Samana to Port-au-Prince without risk. Peace was in every household. The valleys laughed with fertility. Culture climbed the mountains. The commerce of the world was represented in its harbors. At this time, Europe concluded the Peace of Amiens, and Napoleon took his seat on the throne of France. He glanced his eyes across the Atlantic, and with a single stroke of his pen reduced Cayenne and Martinique back into chains. He then said to his council, "'What shall I do with Santo Domingo?' The slaveholders said, "'Give it to us.' Napoleon turned to the Abbe Grégoire. "'What is your opinion?' "'I think those men would change their opinion if they changed their skins.' Colonel Vincent, who had been private secretary to Toussaint, wrote a letter to Napoleon, in which he said, Sir, leave it alone. It is the happiest spot in your dominions. God raised this man to govern. Races melt under his hand. He has saved you this island, for I know of my own knowledge that, when the Republic could not have lifted a finger to prevent it, George the Third offered him any title and any revenue if he would hold the island under the British crown. He refused and saved it for France. Napoleon turned away from his council and is said to have remarked, "'I have sixty thousand idle troops. I must find them something to do.' He meant to say, "'I am about to seize the crown. I dare not to do it in the faces of sixty thousand republican soldiers. I must give them work at a distance to do.' Mounting his horse and riding to the eastern end of the island, Samana, he, Toussaint, looked out on a sight such as no native had ever seen before. Sixty ships of the line, crowded by the best soldiers of Europe, rounded the point. They were soldiers who had never yet met an equal, whose tread, like Caesar's, had shaken Europe, soldiers who had scaled the pyramids and planted the French banners on the walls of Rome. He looked a moment, counted the flotilla, let the reins fall on the neck of his horse, and, turning to Christophe exclaimed, All France is come to Haiti. They can only come to make us slaves, and we are lost. He then recognized the only mistake of his life, his confidence in Bonaparte, which had led him to disband his army. Returning to the hills, he issued the only proclamation which bears his name and breathes vengeance. My children, France comes to make us slaves. God gave us liberty. France has no right to take it away. Burn the cities, destroy the harvests. Tear up the roads with cannon, poison the wells, show the white man the hell he comes to make. And he was obeyed. When the great William of Orange saw Louis XIV cover Holland with troops, he said, Break down the dykes, give Holland back to the ocean. And Europe said, Sublime. When Alexander saw the armies of France descend upon Russia, he said, Burn Moscow, starve back the invaders. And Europe said, Sublime. This black saw all Europe marshaled to crush him, and gave to his people the same heroic example of defiance. It is true the scene grows bloodier as we proceed. But remember, the white man fitly accompanied his infamous attempt to reduce freemen to slavery with every bloody and cruel device that bitter and shameless hate could invent. Aristocracy is always cruel. The black man met the attempt, as every such attempt should be met, with war to the hilt. In his first struggle to gain his freedom, he had been generous and merciful, saved lives and pardoned enemies, as the people in every age and clime have always done when rising against aristocrats. Now, to save his liberty, the negro exhausted every means, seized every weapon, and turned back the hateful invaders with a vengeance as terrible as their own. Though even now he refused to be cruel... Leclerc sent word to Christophe that he was about to land at Cape City. Christophe said, "Toussaint is governor of the island. I will send to him for permission. If, without it, a French soldier sets foot on shore, I will burn the town and fight over its ashes.' Leclerc landed. Christophe took two thousand white men, women, and children and carried them to the mountains in safety. Then, with his own hands, set fire to the splendid palace, which French architects had just finished for him, and in forty hours the place was in ashes. The battle was fought in its streets, and the French driven back to their boats. Wherever they went, they were met with fire and sword. Once, resisting an attack, the blacks, Frenchmen born, shouted the Marseillaise hymn, and the French soldiers stood still, they could not fight the Marseillaise. And it was not till their officers sabred them on, that they advanced, and then they were beaten. Beaten in the field, the French took to lies. They issued proclamations, saying, We do not come to make you slaves. This man Toussaint tells you lies. Join us, and you shall have the rights you claim. They cheated every one of his officers, except Christophe and Dessalines, and his own brother Pierre, and finally these also deserted him, and he was left alone. And then sent word to Leclerc, I will submit, I will continue the struggle for years, could prevent a single Frenchman from safely quitting your camp, but I hate bloodshed, I have fought only for the liberty of my race, guarantee that, I will submit and come in. He took the oath to be a faithful citizen, and on the same crucifix Leclerc swore that he should be faithfully protected, and that the island should be free. As the French general glanced along the line of his splendidly equipped troops, and saw opposite Toussaint's ragged, ill-armed followers, he said to him, "Louverture, have you continued the war? Where could you have gotten arms?' "'I would have taken yours,' was the Spartan reply. He went down to his house in peace. It was summer.' Leclerc remembered that the fever months were coming when his army would be in hospitals, and when one motion of that royal hand would sweep his troops into the sea. He was too dangerous to be left at large, so they summoned him to attend the council, and here is the only charge made against him. The only charge. They say he was fool enough to go. Granted, what was the record? The white man lies shrewdly to cheat the negro. Night errantry was truth. The foulest insult you can offer a man since the crusade is, you lie. Of Toussaint, Hermona, the Spanish general who knew him well, said he was the purest soul God ever put into a body. Of him history bears witness, he never broke his word. Maitland was traveling in the depths of the woods to meet Toussaint when he was met by a messenger and told that he was betrayed. He went on, and met Dussan, who showed him two letters, one from the French general, offering him any rank if he would put Maitland in his power, and the other his reply. It was, Sir, I have promised the Englishman that he shall go back. Let it stand, therefore, that the negro, truthful as a knight of old, was cheated by his lying foe. Which race has reason to be proud of such a record? But he was not cheated. He was under espionage. Suppose he had refused. The government would have doubted him, would have found some cause to arrest him. He probably reasoned thus. If I go willingly, I shall be treated accordingly. And he went. The moment he entered the room, the officers drew their swords and told him he was a prisoner. And one young lieutenant who was present says, he was not at all surprised, but seemed very sad. They put him on shipboard and weighed anchor for France as the island faded from his sight he turned to the captain and said you think you have rooted up the tree of liberty but i am only a branch i have planted the tree so deep that all france could never root it up arrived in paris he was flung into jail and napoleon sent his secretary caffarelli to him supposing he had buried large treasures he listened a while then replied young man it is true i have lost treasures but they are not such as you come to seek. He was then sent to the castle of St. Joux, to a dungeon twelve feet by twenty, built wholly of stone, with a narrow window high up on the side, looking out on the snows of Switzerland. In winter ice covers the floor. In summer it is damp and wet. In this living tomb the child of the sunny tropics was left to die. From this dungeon he wrote two letters to Napoleon, one of them ran thus, Sire, i am a french citizen i never broke a law by the grace of god i had saved for you the best island of your realm sir of your mercy grant me justice napoleon never answered this letter the commandant allowed him five francs a day for food and fuel napoleon heard of it and reduced the sum to three the luxurious usurper who complained that the english government was stingy because it allowed him only six thousand dollars a month stooped from his throne to cut down a dollar to a half and still toussaint did not die quick enough this dungeon was a tomb in this tomb toussaint was buried but he did not die fast enough finally the commandant was told to go into switzerland to carry the keys of the dungeon with him and to stay four days when he returned toussaint was found starved to death that imperial assassin was taken twelve years after to his prison at st helena Planned for a tomb as he had planned that of toussaint and there he whined away his dying hours in pitiful complaints of curtains and titles of dishes and rides god grant that when some future plutarch shall weigh the great men of our epoch the whites against the blacks he do not put that whining child at st helena into one scale and into the other the negro meeting death like a roman without a murmur in the solitude of his icy dungeon from the moment he was betrayed, the Negroes began to doubt the French, and rushed to arms. Soon every Negro but Maurepas deserted the French. Leclerc summoned Morepa to his side. He came loyally bringing with him five hundred soldiers. Leclerc spiked his epaulets to his shoulders, shot him, and flung him into the sea. He took his five hundred soldiers on shore, shot them on the edge of a pit, and tumbled them in. The Salines from the mountain saw it and selecting five hundred french officers from his prisons hung them on separate trees in sight of leclerc's camp and born as i was not far from bunker hill i have found yet no reason to think he did wrong they murdered pierre tussaud's wife at his own door and after such treatment that it was mercy when they killed her the maddened husband who had but a year before saved the lives of twelve hundred white men carried his next Thousand prisoners and sacrificed them on her grave, the French exhausted every form of torture. The negroes were bound together and thrown into the sea. Anyone who floated was shot. others sunk with cannonballs tied to their feet, some smothered with sulphur fumes, others strangled, scorched to death, gibbeted. Sixteen of Toussaint's officers were chained to rocks in deserted islands others in marshes and left to be devoured by poisonous reptiles and insects rochambeau sent to cuba for bloodhounds when they arrived the young girls went down to the wharf decked the hounds with ribbons and flowers kissed their necks and seated in the amphitheatre the women clapped their hands to see a negro thrown to these dogs previously starved to rage but the negroes besieged this very city so closely that these same girls in their misery ate the very hounds they had welcomed the war went on napoleon sent over thirty thousand more soldiers but disaster still followed his efforts what the sword did not devour the fever ate up leclerc died pauline carried his body back to france napoleon met her at bordeaux saying sister i gave you an army you bring me back ashes rochambeau the rochambeau of our history left in command of eight thousand troops sent word to dessaline when i take you i will not shoot you like a soldier or hang you like a white man i will whip you to death like a slave de Salines chased him from battlefield to battlefield from fort to fort and finally shut him up in samana hitting cannon-balls to destroy his fleet de learned that rochambeau had begged of the british admiral to cover his troops with the english flag and the generous Negro suffered the boaster to embark undisturbed. Some doubt the courage of the negro. Go to Haiti and stand on those 50,000 graves of the best soldiers France ever had, and ask them what they think of the negro's sword. And if that does not satisfy you, go to France, to the splendid mausoleum of the Counts of Rochambeau, and to the 8,000 graves of Frenchmen who skulked home under the English flag, and ask them. Haiti, from the ruins of her colonial dependence, is become a civilized state, the seventh nation in the catalogue of commerce with this country, inferior in morals in education to none of the West Indian Isles. Foreign merchants trust her courts as willingly as they do our own. Thus far she had foiled the ambition of Spain, the greed of England, and the malicious statesmanship of Calhoun. Toussaint made her what she is. In this work, There was grouped around him a score of men, mostly of pure Negro blood, who ably seconded his efforts. They were able in war and skilful in civil affairs, but not, like him, remarkable for that rare mingling of high qualities, which alone makes true greatness, and ensures a man leadership among those otherwise almost his equals. Toussaint was indisputably their chief. Courage, purpose, endurance—these are the tests— He did plant a state so deep that all the world has not been able to root it up. I would call him Napoleon, but Napoleon made his way to empire over broken oaths and through a sea of blood. This man never broke his word. No retaliation was his great motto and the rule of his life, and the last words uttered to his son in France were these, My boy, you will one day go back to Santo Domingo. Forget that France murdered your father i would call him cromwell but cromwell was only a soldier and the state he founded went down with him into his grave i would call him washington but the great virginian held slaves this man risked his empire rather than permit the slave trade in the humblest village of his dominions you think me a fanatic for you read history not with your eyes but with your prejudices but fifty years hence when truth gets a hearing the muse of history will put phocion for the greek and brutus for the roman Hampden for england lafayette for france choose washington as the bright consummate flower of our earlier civilization and john brown the ripe fruit of our noonday then dipping her pen in the sunlight will write in the clear blue above them all the name of the soldier the statesman the martyr Toussaint L'Overture. End of section 118. This recording is in the public domain.